was the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? If you're like me, it's been quite some time. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and I welcome you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and my friends from around the world to join us live. Put on a comfortable pair of pajamas, pull up a chair, and settle in with your favorite refreshment. And prepare to be blessed as I welcome tonight's guest. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am delighted tonight to bring you uh, someone that many of you um, may know. You may have met her at a homeschool conference or um, listened to the podcast that she and her husband, Israel, um, host together, and tonight's special guest is Brooke Wayne. Welcome, Brooke. Oh, thank you, Felice. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, and I am glad to have you, and Brooke and I um, have sometimes our marathon Facebook messaging back and forth, <laughs> Yes, um, you know, unless, you know, and then every once in a while, Brooke's like, I got to go, the kids are done with dishes, and, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and mine just finished dishes, too, <laughs> so while our kids are, are um, helping out, uh, we're catching up on some, some stuff, so so, Brooke, you um, have an infamous husband. Um, you know, it's uh, always nice to have a, a wonderful uh, husband that you can be proud of. And I've gotten to know Israel through the years. Um, he's been a special guest for our um, Ultimate Homeschool Expo. And then yeah. um, he's been um, such a, a trooper. He was one of the people I prayed about, and the Lord put him um you know, on my list um, for the the Ultimate Homeschool Radio uh, Network, and I was absolutely delighted when you know he he said, "Well, what do you think about um, me doing this with my wife?" And I said, "Oh my gosh, that would be so great!" And uh, you are one of actually three couples on this network thus far um, who are husband and wife and host a show. And so for those of you listening, um, Brooke's website is um, one of them anyway, familyrenewal.org. And um, and then they have a Facebook page as well. And then they have a podcast on uh, the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, who you are and um, and about your uh, your family, Brooke. Okay, thank you. Well, I am really, really blessed to be married to Israel. We've, um, we're coming up on our 17th anniversary this month, so that wow. gives you a little bit of, we're getting older, you know, <laughs> I'm not 40 yet, but we're edging that way. And, um, you know, I've just been so blessed. We've had a really good marriage. I've never for a moment doubted this is who I was supposed to marry, and that gives you just such a sense of this is an adventure we're on together. And um, Israel speaks a lot. He Travels throughout the country speaking at homeschool conventions. This year, 2015, sorry, last year, we were able to actually travel on the road together as a family for three months. Not all three months just in a row, but scattered throughout the year. And that was so much fun. And I really just appreciate being able to um, be a team with my husband because a lot of times I think for women in ministry or the husbands in ministry, They'll feel like, okay, the man, the guy, he's out there ministering, but she's not able to be able to be a part. And I've always appreciated right. that Israel, that he wants me to be a part. We're a team together. And even if I'm not 
out and about with him uh, in spirit and in support. I'm able to be there with him in that sense of support, um, ministry also. We have nine children. Our youngest mm-hmm. is actually 12 years old. So we have a little wow. tiny newborn in the house. And that's been so fun. You know, it's, it's baby. That recovery process gets easier and you just appreciate more and more that tiny newborn stage where the first one, you know, you feel completely overwhelmed and uh, the birth just kind of puts you on bed rest for so long you feel like right. I'm never going to be normal again. But this has been so fun for me to have this nice little baby with a girl and be able to Aww. just really enjoy those little newborn stage. Our oldest is 15, so that kind of gives you a, a framework. We've got just about two years between each baby. And so we have a very busy household, very busy. Uh-huh. I grew up as a homeschool student myself. My mom started homeschooling in 1983, and I was about five years old at that time. So I have a perspective as I come to teach my children that is um, maybe a little more long-term and that I am able to recall those conversations I heard my mom and her friends having about how they were going to homeschool and what they were going to do and what to do when they didn't feel like they were quite making it or when things were overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And being able to see that long-term progression happen with, you know, kids my age growing up. And so uh, I'm coming at homeschooling with my own very much as this is a lifestyle. So it's kind of a neat right. for me to see that. We live in Michigan is- and Israel and I, um, and then his sister, Sony, are part of what's called family renewal. And our heart is to reach out to families and be able to encourage them at that root level of being a family, first of all. A lot of that revolves around homeschooling for the homeschool families, being able to really interact with each other and have that renewal of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us as we relate to each other. That's wonderful. Tell us a little bit about um, some of the books. I know you and Israel just finished a writing project, and and so if you're listening in the archives, go check out familyrenewal.org and see if the book is out. But as we record this, um, I believe it's out. Uh, it's due out in a, a couple of years, and or a couple of years, a couple of months. Uh, and so, uh, tell us the title of that book, would you? Yes, uh, we named this book. Pitching a Fit, and the subtitle is Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. And with a big household, you can imagine that we've had our moments where we're stressed out. And, you know, we run into families all all the time, all over the country, that are dealing with just being so stressed out. They're trying to juggle not only paying the bills and working a job, but also raising their children. And trying in the midst of all that busyness to instill something of God in them. And a lot of times it's so easy to want to uh, control the child and to make make them um, behave because we're just too stressed out to really reach their hearts. And so the thrust of our book was to be able to say, angry parenting is not going to get you anywhere. It's only going to reap um, bitterness and rejection from your children. And so that was our writing project. It was a lot of fun. A lot of hard work. It was my first project to co-author. And so it should be available in a couple of weeks. So excited yeah, about that. Wonderful. Israel also yeah. has written a book called Full-Time Parenting. And at the bottom of your handout, if you were able to get that, I uh, put a link right there because I really feel it's a valuable book that will delve further than we're able to tonight into what it means to be a parent and, and how to 
take on that mantle of parenting when you do have all those tugs from the world around you. How to go about it with purpose. Wonderful. Well, I am going to sit back and join um, those who are listening live in the chat room, and I will be back at the end um, to field any questions from our audience. And I'm looking forward uh, to hearing your talk, Brooke. Um, One other thing I'll say quickly is there is a handout that goes along with this talk that Brooke mentioned, and it will be available in the show notes on this podcast. So, Um, If you are listening um, maybe on iTunes or one of your podcast players on your phone, um, if you go to mommyjammiesnight.com and uh, scroll down and uh, look for the podcast um, that says um, Overcoming uh, the Fear of Not Being Good Enough, and I will tell you if I can remember what number this podcast will be. Um, which I did not write down, so I will let you know that at the end. Um, but you can just, you'll find it, um, you'll find a button that has um, Brooke's name and picture on it on the Mommy Jammies Night, and um, in the show notes will be the handouts uh, for tonight's talk as well as all the links um, on, and information about how to uh, find Brooke and Israel online. All right, Brooke, thank you, and, and go ahead and get started. Okay, thank you, Felice. I sure appreciate it. So I wanted to talk tonight about overcoming the fear of not being good enough. And I love this format because I hope that you're all comfortable at home. You know, you've made your, got little ones you're still trying to get into bed or uh, direct for their evening. And so it's just a nice way to be able to relax at the end of the day and hopefully be able to gather our thoughts and to get some encouragement for not only the day ahead, the month ahead, but the rest of this school year. We're starting here kind of at the halfway point uh, right now of the school year. And I, I think sometimes we've gotten through the holidays, we've gotten through, um, you know, part of our school year, and we're starting to feel like, okay, it's not quite as uh, energizing as it was back in September. But I really feel like we have an opportunity to kind of reflect now as we go into that second part of the year. And I want to encourage you through this, this topic to be able to take some of those fears that you're dealing with some of maybe even the failures that you've seen cropping up in your home and be able to find um, some answers to those. So this is called, again, Overcoming the Fear of Not Being Good Enough. Now, I'm going to give you a little uh, description of where we're at in life a little bit before this, but I also want to say for many years, Israel's pet name, my husband's pet name for me was W Squared, and what he meant was I was a worrywart. I had this... um, belief that it's not being a worry work, that I'm actually thinking things through and I'm trying to make sure I look at something from every angle. But still, he would call me a W squared. And it is true. I, I'm a recovering worry work. I'm recovering from it. I'm seeking to live differently. But fear has been an issue that I've dealt with. And that fear of not living up to my own idea of what I want to be, but sometimes all the fear of not living up to what I think other people want me to be has been a real issue in my life. I think a lot of it comes down to we want to compare ourselves with others. And, you know, on Facebook you see all these memes about not comparing yourself to other people or you'll hear sermons about it or even just, you know, little phrases people will say, yet we all do it. And there was a time a couple years ago I uh, heard about this gal 
in our area. I never did get to meet her, but everybody who had met her would just rave about this woman and um, just talk about how she was uh, running her household so well and had so much time for ministry to other women. And even if she, you know, needed to be out and about, her household was run so smoothly that she was able to leave seven children um, with their dad and, and be able to come home and have the dinner cooked and the dishes swept, the dishes done, the table swept, the schoolwork done. And I was in such awe. I was like, wow. And I felt kind of, you know, I compared myself to this woman and I felt kind of lower than this. I felt like, well, here we are. You know, we're just struggling to get the dinner dishes done when I'm home. And we were trying to teach our children to brush their teeth without being told or reminding them, oh, you know, you need to wear deodorant every single day. And so I felt kind of like, boy, you know, I'm not really, I'm not making it in life. You know, this, this woman's my age, and she has more children than I do, and yet she's um, running her home with such ease and being able to accomplish so much more in life. And I really felt, I really felt kind of bad. And it all stems, again, from this foolish idea of comparing ourselves to another person. That was several years ago, and, uh, you know, I heard about her again recently this year and was very grieved to hear that she's made some choices that have really brought some um, damage to her home and to her relationships in her home. And it just grieved me to hear of that failure in her own home happening. But it also made me realize, you know, I... I think sometimes we can look on the outside of someone else's life and be like, oh, wow, they're really something. And they've got it together, and we see the own messiness we've got going on in our own lives, in our relationships, in our homes. And it's easy to be like um, just doing that comparing thing with others when really our focus needs to be on what does God have for me? What am I supposed to be growing in right now? Not that we never learn from other people or can go, wow, I really admire how they're doing something well in their own life. I would like to learn from them. Not that kind of thing. You know, that has its value for sure. But being able to um, stop comparing ourselves and making ourselves feel guilty or fearful because we're not living up to a standard we see someone else doing. Scripture talks about this a little bit in 2 Corinthians 10:12, where it says, For we dare not make ourselves of a number or compare ourselves with some to commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Again, it's just it's like scripture telling us this is not a wise thing to do. And uh, I just feel like lots of times when we fear that we're not being good enough, it really stems from something in our hearts that was a comparison. So again, we just need to be faithful with this life that God has given us as individuals. I came across this quote. Uh, and I don't know where I came across it, but it was by Ruth Beechick. And I just loved it because it spoke so so much to me. In fact, I cried when I read it. So I put it in your handout, and I want to read it to you. Ruth says, everyone thinks it goes smoothly in everyone else's house. And theirs is the only place that has problems. I'll let you in on a secret about teaching. There's no place in the world that it rolls along smoothly without problems. Only in articles and books can that happen. Let me read it again. Everyone thinks it goes smoothly in everyone else's house, and theirs is the only place that has problems. But I'll let you in on a secret about teaching. There's no place in the world that it rolls along smoothly without problems. Only in articles and books can that happen. 
I just was so encouraged when I read that because we really do. We really start thinking everyone else seems to be able to do this job, whether that's raising your children or um, having deep relationships with your family or running your house or homeschooling your children. We all think it's easy for someone else. And yet it really isn't. We all have our struggles. We all have our problems. And sometimes you'll measure or you'll um, you'll grow and you'll be able to run in a certain area and fulfill that and do it well. But we each have those stretching and growing times that help us get to that point. One of my uh, husband's travels took him to San Diego. And he has a, a soft heart for being thrifty. And so in the heart of San Diego with no car, it was in walking distance within the convention where he was. He was always looking for some way to save on these expensive foods that they had. And so there's like no McDonald's available. There's no fast food. So he found that he could um, get all-you-can-eat buffet at some sort of East Indian cuisine type of little restaurant. So he goes in, and he's like, this is great. And so, you know, $5, $6 or something for the plate. So he's piling on this huge platter of food, and one of the things he sees, you know, this is all East Indian food that he's not familiar with, all these long green beans. And so he started to say, hey, it's healthy looking. He grabs them, puts them on his plate, and sits down, starts to enjoy his meal. He starts to cut and then eat these green beans. And all of a sudden, he could tell it was not a green bean. It was some sort of hot pepper. And he started to get so warm, his sweat was breaking out on his forehead, and his tongue was burning, and his throat was burning, and his stomach was burning. And he was just like, oh, my, what have I done? He said it was the hottest thing he's ever had. And he, he actually lived in Texas a while. He was pretty familiar with hot, spicy foods and so forth. But he said this was beyond anything he'd ever had. And so when he later finished and was able to calm down and get over and talk with the the man who ran this restaurant, he said, I mean, this food, it was so spicy. And the man seemed very unfazed by it. Like, yeah, isn't that what you expected? And he said, I mean, no, it was super hot. He said, this stuff is super hot. And he asked, what's it called? And the man gave him the name. And he said to him, now, you don't seem very um, surprised that it's super hot. He said, isn't it hot for you? And he was thinking, maybe this man is very used to this cuisine and it's not even a spicy food to him. And he said, no, no, that's hot for everybody. I think that's how it is. We we all have challenges in our lives that um, it's going to be hard for everybody on some level. Some, some people have an ability to be able to be very skilled at something and to run that, that area of their life very smoothly or develop very great skill in it. Yet each of us struggles on that path. We all have something that humbles us, something that uh, we struggle with, and that's okay. That's part of the process. We can't stay there. We can't stay forever in a sense of failure or fear. But it's it's normal for us to all have some area we're struggling with. So when we talk about fear of not being good enough, um, specifically I want to talk a little bit about homeschooling in this topic, but I'm also talking about this child raising and family relationships. I have noticed that... Uh, Fear becomes very strong here. And fear is a strong emotion. Fear is just the thing that will lead, lead you around by the nose. It will cause you 
to make decisions you might not otherwise. You know, fear, we allow to us what we do, when we do it, how we do it. And so one of my favorite phrases is we need to unfriend fear. You know, when Facebook you have to friend somebody or it even gives you that option to unfriend that person. I think we need to really be diligent in our lives to unfriend fear. We need to get it out of our lives because fear will always take you down a path to slavery. When we face these areas, whether it's a perceived area like we fear we're not being good enough or we actually can go, I have failed in this area, it needs to be assigned to us when we recognize that we need to restructure. So when you feel like a failure, I want to call you to recognize it's not a sign to give up. That's where fear takes us. Oh, I've failed in this. I have not done well in this. So I am just going to give up. When actually this is a sign that we need to restructure. And by that, I mean we need to take some time away from those scary emotions that are just compelling us to make decisions. And we need to back off. There's something that needs to be changed in our life. And so I use that term restructure, but another um, thing to call it might be, this is a point of prayer. You need to make that failure, that recognition that there's a failure in some department of your life or that feeling that there's a fear of it, that I'm not I'm not living up to what I should or what I want to. Um, it needs to become a point of prayer. Scripture talks about this, and this is probably the life verse that I um, have been learning and learning, hope to learn, where it says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. That's that word for fearful there. Do not be fearful about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Again, that's from Philippians 4, 6. And if we can take that sign, so to speak, and our failure or that we have had failure and make it something that we go and pray about, I think we're going to be able to see some different results. So it's not giving up doesn't help us. It doesn't help our families and it doesn't help our children. It doesn't help the relationships we're trying to build. It's just a point of um, shutdown at that point. But if we can turn that in aside into something like, oh, I need to pray about this, and that might take some time. And that's hard to do sometimes as a busy mom, isn't it? But we need to pray and seek God on each decision in our life and seek him about those failures that we're feeling or that sense of failure that we're feeling and take it to him and say, I don't really know what to do with it. You know, I'm fearful about this. This is, this is taking me, um, this is taking me down. Lord, what do I do with this? And look to him and I find that word in there in the scripture. Thanksgiving, very interesting, and another word might be gratitude. We need to offer this prayer, this the supplication we have um, to the Lord with gratitude. The gratitude is a different perspective, and I I've never fully understood how it fits in with it. I believe though, if we come at looking at our failures and taking that sense of need to the Lord, coupled with gratitude. Even if it's a future gratitude, Lord, I, I believe that you're going to have an answer for me in this department that I'm failing in right now or that I'm not 
not seeing successes, and I believe that you're going to provide answers for me. Is that the kind of sense of gratitude? You're just being able to back off of your situation and see other areas of your life and being able to give thanksgiving in those areas can help bring a balanced perspective. We often, though, usually cater to the fear instead of going to the Lord. So, again, I just want to reiterate, it's, it's looking at anything that's not going well in your life and saying, this is a point I need to pray about, and this is a point I need to bring some restructuring in my life for. One of the favorite words that um, Israel and I have in our home is a Greek word. And we like it so well that we, you know, we joke like, we're going to have a child named this or something. And it's the word paideia. And basically it means culture. Now we kind of have associated culture as something outside, you know, outside of our homes. It's, it's like the um, nation's culture or the culture of Hollywood or so forth. But in this context, it is meaning the culture like within your home that you it might even mean greater than your home, but even just the culture that you create. And so some other words might be atmosphere, the atmosphere that you as a mom and dad make in your home. You could even say it's like a life message. So I'm going to read a bit of a quote that's from Encyclopedia Britannica. This is from 2008. The word paideia, or culture, is Greek and meaning education or learning. And it's a system of education, this is in quotes, and training in classical Greek and Hellenistic, that is, Greco-Roman cultures. It included subjects of gymnastics, grammar, rhetoric, music, mathematics, geography, natural history, and philosophy. In the early Christian era, the Greek paideia, called humanitas in Latin, served as a model for Christian institutions of higher learning, such as the Christian school of Alexandria in Egypt, which offered theology as a culminating science of their curricula. The term was combined with antikolios, complete system or circle, to identify a larger compendium of general education, hence the word encyclopedia, which is, of course, where this quote was from. But we're, we're familiar with that. Padea, pronounced paideia in the Greek, um, meaning to encompass everything. This is what our homes are. They're an encompassing of all these wonderful things we want to impart to our children, but it's not just academics. There's not just that portion. It's the spiritual culture, if you will. It's the emotional atmosphere. It's the um, the day-to-day life that we're creating. And so for Israel and I, when we heard this definition and just heard about some of this is the idea we're supposed to be creating in our homes, it's not just the impartation of information or even an impartation of, there's good habits, brush your teeth every night before you go to bed, and such a thing. It's, it's creating in our homes this, this um, again, there's lovely words to use here, culture, atmosphere, this lifestyle that helps our children grow in all these departments. And when we can understand, I think, as homeschooling moms, we aren't just trying to pass on the three hours to our children. We are seeking to instill in these little precious ones character, life skills, servanthood, and ability to have a vision for um, serving the world around them, bringing the gospel to others, having um, respect for the elderly, your grandparents or great-grandparents, 
being able to understand all of life through a perspective that they're in a in a bubble, yes, a faith bubble, for a, a short season where we're teaching them and training them and what life is about. And um, I hope that doesn't sound overwhelming. In a sense, it kind of does. But um, we're bit by bit being reformed ourselves to the point that, oh, I need to have my perspective sharpened on this. It needs to be more aligned with Scripture, you know, on any number of things. Uh, The big macro issues of abortion or macroeconomics or the political scene in our country and being able to understand my, my mind, my heart, my spirit needs to be aligned with the scriptures on this, is what we then bring to the table, so to speak, in our homes. Have how we pass on what's of the Lord and how we can help our children grow. So, let's take it back to these little tiny children we have. You know, I just had a baby. And I'll tell you, it's been two weeks, and not quite two weeks, and... Um, I'm, I'm very comfortable at this point, but I've had other times when I had newborns where I feel, yes, oh, I'm not making it because we aren't doing our full schedule, our full workload of our schoolwork right now. I have taken that support go plan ahead now, a little bit more in August than we might have otherwise, and we're going to be going a little bit into the summer. That's okay. That's the beauty of the homeschool life is that we can um, shuffle our time around a little bit. But I'm also more relaxed because while we're doing a little bit here and there throughout these last two weeks, and we'll start up again next week in a little more intensity, we're able to go as a family and be able to realize it's not just the three R's that we're presenting to our children. In the whole atmosphere of our life right now, we're also teaching our children that life has value, and we're teaching them about how to welcome and accept a newborn into the home. They're learning about how tender and small that little person is and how much we love that child. And as they see us loving on our little newborn, we tell them stories about when they were the newborn and how we were so happy to greet them and to meet them and to name them. And they, they see the value of life in that. Or when we go to visit elderly folks, you know, we're not necessarily teaching those three hours at that time. We're not, not hammering on the algebra at that moment. Not that those things don't have their place, they do. But in the whole scope of this encyclopedia, the circle of culture, we're teaching our children that life has value, teaching them that they need to show respect and honor to those who are older than them, that when we reach the end of life and are no longer able to care for ourselves, that we, um, that, that we as Christians value that life because it's the soul given by God. This is not just something that, well, they're no longer useful, they're no longer earning an income, so we cut them off. It's a very humanistic idea. So by doing these things, or I have friends who reach out at um, abortion mills, and they will go to those places, even with their youngsters, and reach out to those, those teenage moms, typically teenage moms coming in for an abortion, and try to speak to change um, their perspective and say, no, this, this is a child you have. This is not a fetus. This is a baby. And this baby's life is valuable. Those things speak tremendously to our children. They just speak worlds of, um, of weight to our children when they see us investing in those things in our lives. And so for your young moms with babies, in the same situation I am with little 
we're up at night and we're tired and we're exhausted. We're creating for our children an atmosphere that says a lot. And that's scary because we don't always handle it well. We're grumpy when we're tired or, you know, we, we don't know how to manage the time well when we're trying to minister in other places outside of our homes with our children and so forth. And yet the culmination of these things works in us a good thing and it works in our children a good thing. Again, just speaking back to having that fear in our hearts that we're not measuring up, we're not making it, I want to remind you that God is not the source of fear. God is not the one that gives us a spirit of fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says that he gives us a spirit of power and love and self-control. So I want to challenge you tomorrow, or maybe it'll be later tonight, or at least by Thursday, right, that you're going to have an opportunity in your life where you're going to have something come up in your life that breaks on you or that you feel is not going well or perhaps is, um, you know, gives you that dreaded sense of I'm not good enough. And I want you to combat it with turning to the Lord and seeking how his power could be applied to that situation. That may not always be self-evident. It may not be something that you see right away. But I would challenge you to turn to the Lord. How can you seek the power of God in that situation? Whether his power is spirit of love. How can you infuse, um, maybe your child's not making it in a particular area of, of their academic situation. You know, each child sometimes doesn't quite get, um, I'll stick on math for a moment. They may not get math at a particular grade level. And that might be a source of failure for them. And yet how can you infuse that particular area with love? Teaching them to love and, um, and, and loving them in that process. And then self-control, just that self-discipline of being able to go back to a subject and even though it's not a favorite subject for them or for you perhaps even, and go back to it over and over until um, that investment of time makes some difference. Now, I want to go back again, though, and say, you know, when we're trying to instill in this uh, home of ours, and I'm sure you are too, this idea of of Christ-like behaviors, thoughts, and alignment with the scriptures, this can seem so overwhelming. And in a sense, you know, we might work hard and become successful in areas, and we keep learning. You know, organization is one of my favorites. We keep learning about organization. We keep applying it, and, and yet it's like, oh, okay, let's keep learning. We still have more to learn in this department. And yet um, there are areas of our lives different for each one of us, that we're not going to feel like we are good enough. And yet, I also want to say, that's okay. There are things that we have to just recognize. That is true. We are not enough. We don't have enough within us for this massive task of raising our children, raising them for Christ. This is an area where we have to rely on God because he is the one who is ultimately going to reach the hearts of our children. The cry of my heart, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would reach deeply to my children's hearts because I can't change their hearts. It's very tempting, too. You know, we want to get in there and meddle and, and 
teach and, and train and those things, the teaching and training, instructing, living before the circumstances, those are the things we are called to do. So by God's grace, let's be faithful with that. Yet, for all that we can do, we have to, even so, turn to the Lord on our knees and beg him, let your Holy Spirit take these things that I'm seeking to teach my children and let them go deep within the child's heart, let the Holy Spirit work within those children's hearts to make them who God wants them to be. Because ultimately, we aren't enough. We aren't enough to, um, to, to make our children and mold them into what they need to be. This is where we are called to rely on God. Scripture says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is God that we're talking about. We can do all things through God. Thus, he will strengthen us for this task. He may not make us everything that we're going to be for that child, but he, uh, he will make us strengthened for that job. What I mean is he, we may not be able to um, fashion that child and mold the child in the way that we think we should. He will strengthen us for the job. He will give us the words that we need to speak to our children at the right time. In this process of being a um, mom, I've had so many times where I have felt like I must be some sort of elastic. I get stretched. And then when I think I'm stretched enough, it feels like the stretching continues. And so I feel like sometimes I liken this to being like elastic. I just feel like I am being stretched like elastic. And in these seasons, I've come to find one thing has been remaining true. And that's that when I'm stretched like that, when I feel like I can't be stretched anymore, it's the process that's working in me so that I can hold more of himself. Because when I'm needy, that's when I'm going to turn to the Lord with the most fervor. And I'm sure that's true for you, too. I'm turning to him, and I'm like, I need more of you because I don't have enough love, or I don't have enough energy or time or whatever resources it is I need at the moment. And so I turn to the Lord, and I feel like in those seasons, he gives me more of himself. And he gives it to me and to you for the sake of our family. I think that's such a beautiful thing. So when you feel stretched, I want to encourage you, remember, even though you're being stretched out like elastic, remember it is God making you more capable to hold more of himself there. So I want to challenge you what to do when you don't feel adequate. Um, on the academics, let's talk about that for a minute. Academically, most um, subjects, a child will not feel, will not be progressing well because of a lack of basics not being covered well enough. And that doesn't mean you didn't cover it well enough. It just means maybe the child didn't get it, needs a review, you've had a long summer break, long Christmas break, whatever the situation is. And so I want to, um, point out for me something I've found if a child is not grasping onto the subject well enough, a lot of times I need to back up, go back to some basics. Not in a way to make the child feel like they're, you know, they're going back to first grade or something, but in the sense of, oh, let's cover this again. This needs to be done. We need to um, go back and, and make sure that those gaps are filled in. So sometimes it's even beneficial to have a routine of going over certain basics in a child's life and their, ch- their growing-up experience. If those basics are, style, are solid, that child usually can progress well 
and sometimes that takes two days. You know, we're not talking about long-term. Sometimes it's a, long, a very short-term thing, just going over the multiplication tables again or being able to find that one little piece that they seem to have missing. And so academically, a lot of the times when a child or maybe you feel inadequate enough, take a little breather, go back to the basics, and then go back to whatever level they were at and see how it goes. Um, as far as if you as a teacher are feeling inadequate, again, I really just challenge you, what, what could you do instead of letting fear drive you? What could you do that would be beneficial? How could you learn? And a lot of times we take it like, oh, I, could, I just don't have the time. Why not even train yourself with your child right next to you? They might get something. They might get something out of the teacher training you put yourself through and even go way beyond you in those areas. So don't feel like, oh, you can't take that time to equip yourself or to go through um, school yourself, so to speak, as you are a teacher and you're learning what it means to teach those subjects maybe that scared you to pieces when you were in high school, algebra or a foreign language. You don't always need to learn the subject thoroughly yourself. You just have to know enough to be able to guide them through that process. Wonderful thing we have nowadays with all this wonderful curriculum. When I was growing up, there wasn't quite as much available um, in the early, early years, readily available, I should say. And so now I'm looking at all these different curriculum packages available where so many companies are offering the teacher's editions and um, DVDs and audio and support groups and so forth. So I challenge you, go, go look at, into some of those things if um, you're feeling inadequate in those areas. And then realizing a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times when it's uh, especially a young person is not progressing in the area. Some of it has to do with their perspective. And if you can help your young person see the value of learning a particular subject they might be um, a little frustrated in or maybe not even doing too well in, if you can see that, help them see that value in it or introduce them to why in the world they will use algebra later in life, they may be able to take a little bit better perspective on it and apply it themselves. Again, this is going back to that God's not given us the spirit of fear. In this department, it's the self-control, it's the self-discipline, it's helping that child of yours to be able to see how to apply himself. Sometimes with um, when we don't feel adequate, I think we need to emotionally kind of take a little bit of a back seat, not give those emotions too much credit where it's not due. It's, it's not making big and drastic decisions when we're feeling like, oh, today I have failed in this and this is a long-term thing and I can't get over this. We, we need not to take those emotions too seriously. Again, we need to pray about it and then we need to restructure. Sometimes life is kind of messy. You know, real life is messy. Real relationships aren't always smooth and real homeschooling isn't always smooth. Uh, we're living, breathing people where today... We might feel great and be able to have the best perspective in the world. Tomorrow, oh boy, we might just have not gotten much sleep or we may not have, you know, a good hair day or we're not doing so well. And yet, even on those days, um, we need to restructure. We need to pray. We need not to let those emotions run us to the ground. We're going to fail as human beings. We're going to have those up days. We're going to have those down days. But when we keep going, we're we're planting seeds in this family of ours 
that are going to grow up and sprout and bear good fruit. Practically speaking, I encourage you to gather your children when you don't feel like you're making it and you're feeling overwhelmed. Gather your children and find the next simple thing to do. Then, when you've got things going, at least one simple thing done, I encourage you make dinner. And I always say, make dinner. Making dinner is so important because these little hungry tummies in our homes, they need filled. And it seems so very basic. We often don't, we, we pass by it too much. But if when you are not feeling adequate, when you're feeling like a failure, make something. Make something to eat. Make dinner. And when you've got that dinner, call your family and regroup. Recalibrate. Get your family all together at the table. Sit down and fill those tummies up. And as you're eating, as they're um, finding comfort and just that togetherness and then that good food, you can connect hearts again. Spiritually speaking, I just encourage you, follow what Deuteronomy says. In Deuteronomy 6, it talks about this little, beautiful cue to feed yourself first. And then by that, I mean Jesus, or uh, the Lord said, um, as, as you put these things first on your heart, these things that the scriptures, the law, we're talking about, these things have to be on your heart first, and then you pass them on to your children. Sometimes one month, it's so easy for us to just get up and run this, this frantic race. And I see some of you moms, you juggle so much. You juggle some home businesses. You juggle caring for your next-door neighbor or running a, um, a ministry or all kinds of things at church, and you homeschool, and you cook, and you clean, and you do all these amazing things. And I want to encourage you to go ahead, make sure that that thing is there first in the day, first in your life, that first these things of the Lord are on your heart so that you have something to pass on and give to your children. And then finally, just eat real food. A lot of times it's easy. I know I do it too where... I get into when I need a little crash and relaxing time, I don't eat real food. And by that I mean I don't I don't feed on the scriptures or on teaching that's gonna help me in life. I just eat junk food. I just tune out with a, a silly movie or with a game and instead not that we don't have some kind of place sometimes. I'm not bashing those things. But we need to take the real things of God that are really gonna feed us so that we're strengthened for this journey. So I'm really thankful for this opportunity to share, and I really hope that this has been a blessing. I really thank Felice for asking me. This has been a lot of fun, and I've had fun getting together some notes here. So thank you all so much. Oh, Brooke, that was wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Um, I took notes, and especially those two scriptures you mentioned, I'm going to go back and really um, read those in context of the topic tonight. So thanks for sharing that with us. Thank you. Well, we have a few questions here. So um, thanks to all of you who um, put those in. And one's kind of fan mail, so I'll read that. Um, and one says, um, thanks so much for coming on the show. I listen to your podcast and really like it. Um, that's oh, the good part. Then. Yeah, it's sweet. Um, but here's the tough question. And she says, um, I'm my worst critic. How do I forgive myself when I feel like I'm a failure? So it sounds like she's really hard on herself. Yeah. Well, um, this 
last year, I had the opportunity to go uh, speak, I think it's about five, six times on the subject of anger. And so I'm going to pull out something I had shared in that context about how to overcome being an angry parent because I think it applies. Um, I used to be very, very involved with something I call negative self-talk. And I can remember starting it as a 13-year-old. And it's kind of a tricky tricky thing. There's probably a lot of perspectives on this. But as a 13-year-old, I really wanted to do well with things. I kind of had that personality where I wanted to make sure I achieved everything I could and, you know, be the best I could in any given department. And so I understand, I relate to that, just being your, your worst critic. I started to critique myself and criticize myself on everything. And, um, you know, if I had done a certain amount of my homework, I berated myself for not doing more, or not doing, excuse me, not doing it fast enough, or, um, you know, I love to sew, but I was just always uh, displeased with myself because it wasn't perfect. I'm a very perfectionist type. Now, I'm the type there that's with the toothpick cleaning the grout, the whole the whole rest of the place might need something, but I'm there with that toothpick because it's going to be done well. And so I had gotten to a point, again, starting very young, I was about 13, always speaking to myself negatively because I felt like if I did that, I would then improve. It's probably the idea of, well, since no one else is going to push me, you know, at that age, I was you know, a little older at that point, Someone else is going to push me. I'm going to push myself, and I'm going to always berate myself. It worked pretty good for me because I actually just constantly talked down to myself in my head. Um, and so I found that that became my approach towards my family. And at that point, I really had to say, oh, this isn't working so good. And I came across a quote. I have no idea where it came from at the moment. or you know, I've never been able to find a source where this person said, if you speak negatively to yourself in your head, you will ultimately do that to other people. And, of course, when it's just yourself, you feel like you can be very harsh on yourself. But when I found my words to others coming out in that same harsh tone, in that same dramatic, you know, way over the top, boy, you are a failure, and da 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 then I realized I had to stop. And so um, you know, it's been a couple of years since then. And I'm, I'm really grateful the Lord taught me to turn that around. So it was really for me when I realized how I was hurting other people that I was able to stop that for myself. In so doing, I think sometimes we need to realize, uh, you know, you may not be at that point where it's not coming out towards other people. Just being able to put that in your hopper for future thought and maybe being a source of encouragement for you to um, maybe relax on that. We, we want to have godly standards. But it's the devil who's going to always bring condemnation to us and encouraging us to condemn ourselves. In Christ, we do find a um, conviction. You know, he will convict your heart that, yes, this is not right, or yes, this needs dealt with. And he might even give you red flags of, oh, you know, this area of your life, this department needs some work. And yet, um, his the Lord's way brings conviction. It brings maybe even a call to repentance if that's necessary in that area. But then the Lord brings us life, and he brings us hope, and he gives us ideas of how to bring those changes about. So I would encourage you 
when you come across those things that are you're critiquing yourself on, write them down. Get it out of your head where you're going to be more prone to beating yourself up about it. Write them down and bring them to the Lord in prayer. Maybe talk about it with your husband. And be able to um, see, is this something I need to repent about? Is this a failure that, you know, is a sin failure? Or is this something I need to do something different about? And what could I do differently? Mm-hmm. And wait, you know, you may not have it right away. You may not have an answer. Like, bing, I've got it. It might take months of just bringing that before the Lord. But when it's on paper, I feel like you're able to not just have it banging around in your head and giving you grief. Yeah, I love that. So uh, that's all I have love- down it. Yeah, I think that was that's great. Um, the next question um, revolves around around jealousy. So um, she was at the first part was I was really relieved to, to hear that you're not perfect. <laughs> so that was the first <laughs> no. <that> she goes on. <laughs> oh, none of us are the side of heaven anyway. Um, and she says I'm really laid back and I'm really okay with with everything uh, that may not be perfect, but I have friends that really seem to have it together. How do I keep from feeling so uh, jealous at different times? So, again, sure. it's like I think you were also, um, you know, mentioning that, um, you know, that that uh, you were mentioning a friend that um, you never met, but that everyone was talking about how perfect, um, you know, she seemed to have it all together. And I think sometimes uh, people like that, you know, you can start feeling jealous towards them. So any any gems of wisdom on that one, Brooke? Hmm. Yeah, you know, with that my particular situation, there was um, several years in there where it kind of felt like, uh, you know, I didn't see the full picture. And mm-hmm. on this end of it, seeing the full picture, it kind of it kind of put it into perspective for me, just like, why did I... Why did I waste my time feeling like, oh, I want what they have? And, um, you know, there's, there's people who are marvelously successful, and it's just quite amazing to see that in their life. And, uh, yeah, I really have come to see, you know, getting a little older and just getting a little more perspective or in the situation that I mentioned earlier, having that little bit of um, time difference. I'm sorry, you know, seeing the full picture more as things evolve. I've come to realize how important it is that we realize God gave me my life, and it is special. And the things that he wants to do through me are special. And they're not going to look like everybody else's necessarily, everybody else's lives. They're going to be special, and and God's going to equip me for how he wants me to serve my family and the body of Christ. And it's going to be, um, it's not always going to look the same. On the flip side of that, I think if we can choose to learn from those in our circles that do have it together, that do seem like they're doing well, with a sense of, you know, that that may not always fit the way they handle things or do things in their family, may not fit our lives, but what could I learn from them? I think it helps put it in a little better perspective of um, this is not a competition. This is not a race to see who can make the most cookies at Christmas or who can uh, decorate the best or who can get their child graduated by age 12, that kind of thing. Maybe there's some tips in there that work for us. Maybe there's not, you know. Maybe maybe we just have to rejoice with them that they have some success in their life and um, 
just look at our, you know, how can I keep growing in the areas God's calling me to? Right. And, you know, the thing, too, um, I had a friend that just seemed to have, like, a certain aspect of her life together, and she thought I had another aspect of my life together. And we sat down one time and just kind of um, shared notes, and she was Mm. able to to be really helpful to me in the areas that I was struggling and the same, you know, for me with her. And so, you know, that's that's another thing you can do if there's, um, you know, some area where you're struggling. And also, I think it also, it's a different season, you know, Brooke, like you were saying, you know, you just had a little one. And I know um, when I had my my little one um, in August, and I had a, a big gap between my two older kids, and then I had three three more. Um, I call it in my Elizabethan years. You know, I was, I was an older mm-hmm. mommy at that point, and I didn't. Ba- uh, <clears throat> I bounced back really well with the first two, and then number three kind of. I was like, whoa, you know, this body is a little bit older here, and then um, four and five were a little bit easier. Um, once I got back into, you know, the whole swing of things. But when I had my third child, at that point I had two that were starting high school and then a baby after, you know, a break, um, so wow. to speak. And so I had to really regroup and and change some things. And I had to say, you know what, um, it's okay if I'm making one big meal and we're having leftovers three three times a night or three times a week mm-hmm. and just things like that. And just be okay with it, um, you know, and this is more for the mom with the first question with, you know, being hard on yourself. Um, it depends on the season. You know, what is the season of your life and what's going on? I've got older kids now. Well, my house is in is much better shape you know, until the grandkids come over. <laughs> I'm sorry, Christina, if you're listening to this. My daughter, well, she listens to your podcast more than mine, Brooke. Um, as I told you, she's a, she's a real fan of yours, <laughs> you're, you're, you and Israel. Um, but, you know, it, it stays neater, and of course it does because you've got older kids. So, you know, it's it's going to be the, the different seasons. And I think, um, you know, I, I think one of, the um, things that I had to do as well is look at, you know, what are my time wasters and because that that's the thing we all say, right? Well, if I only had more time in the day, well, yeah. even ha- having more time in the day, we can still, you know, waste that amount of time. So, um, you know, in the same thing like Thanksgiving and Christmas, I have a lot of family come and I and I said to my husband, and the kids, I need one more week. It was never mine. I need one more day. So instead, we just um, we have like family uh, prayer time in the evenings, and I would just say, you know, Lord, increase my time. And He did. He just wow. it was amazing. And and that's my prayer now is that you know this is the time I have. So please, Lord, just increase it and you know when when you try to do something and everything just goes wrong, well, you just he just, um, you know, it, it like things just went right, and right. Um, you know, and it just it, it it made for, you know, a much happier uh, me, not having to stay up like super late and and get things done, and everybody pitched in, and and I call it gathering the troops, you know, and and it all, you know, it, it just worked with within the amount of time we have, and. And, um, you know, I, I really, 
Um, yeah, and, and this is kind of like a little revelation that I've come to to find and think about. You know, we always are, I think as moms, we want to please everyone. We want to please our husbands. Yeah. We want to please our kids. You know, we don't want unhappy kids. Um, you know, which is we could do a whole whole thing on that, that it's okay if they're not happy. <laughs> this is an older mom talking here. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you know, and um, and so, you know, we go through all this. You know, we want our, our extended family to be happy, and we cannot make anybody happy. Only the Lord can. So, right. you know, it's like this little revelation in prayer today, and it's like, you know, God is as perfect as he's going to be. Just because we did all of these things great, he's not going to look at us and go, you know, oh, you know, well, and faithful servant. That's not, you know, how he looks at things, and yet we we hold ourselves up to this higher level than the Lord does. And so, you know, we just have to, um, you know, do the best we can, continue to pray. I mean, you had so many little gems of wisdom here. Um, in your talk, so I hope everybody was taking notes. And if you didn't, there's um, there's a handout in the show notes. Um, and you know, and and just um, you know, kind of the whole let go and let God. Not to use a colloquialism, but it really is is true that if we're walking under His steam and under His light, then you know we're doing what He expects us to do. Right. Right. Give grace to the weak and humble. That's right. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, um, Brooke. I really have enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better um, the last couple of years with the, the podcast on the network and um, and hearing your heart. And also, I'm excited for you and and the book that's coming out, which I think is going to be. Um, wonderful um for anyone who's struggling with anger management um you know again putting it in a nutshell but that's basically what the yeah. what the book's about yeah um, <laughs> it is yeah go to um familyrenewal.org and you'll find out more information and there'll be a ton of um of links um in the show notes and it is podcast 28 um on the mommyjammiesnight.com website so, Brooke, thank you so much. God bless and get back to that family and the little one, which I'm sure um, is needing her mommy by now. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you, please. Thank you all for listening. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. so happy you came to Mommy Jammy's Night. Please drop my guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time. And follow up with me on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email. God's blessings upon you and your family. Thanks for joining us.